0: Welcome to another episode of Pilates Elephants with me, your host, Raphael Bender. Today, I want to have a bit of a quick one about rehab. This is a subject I'm very interested in. It was a subject of my master's degree in clinical exercise physiology, bracket rehabilitation, and it is the subject subject of our Diploma of Clinical Pilates, which I teach 43 weeks a year. So this is something I think about a fair bit. And uh, my observation is that almost everyone way overcomplicates this. So what I want to leave you today with, dear listener, is I'm going to take you on a little journey of tissue healing and what rehabilitation is and how to do it. And I want to leave you with the understanding that rehab is very simple. It's just graded exercise. More particularly, it's graded exercise to restore strength, range of motion, and control. And if you learn one thing from today's podcast, I hope that's it. Rehab is just graded exercise to restore strength, range of motion, and control. All right. so. Any injury involves tissue healing. So whether you've got a muscle tear or a ligament sprain or a tendon injury, disc, bone, whatever it might be, it's going to involve tissue healing. Now, tissue healing occurs in the human body in three overlapping stages. And those stages uh, take a variable amount of time depending on how serious the injury is, what type of tissue it is. And the health of the person. But as a general rule of thumb, they they always proceed in this order, which I'm about to explain to you, and you know I'm going to give you some rough time estimates for how long they're going to take. So the three stages are inflammation, proliferation, and remodeling. When there's a, a tissue injury, so let's just imagine maybe a minor muscle tear. The first thing that happens, the first stage of healing is inflammation. Yes, inflammation is part of the healing process. It's the critical first part of the healing process. The physiology of inflammation is pretty fascinating, and I'm going to give you a real quick uh, tour of what it is and how it works. When you have an injury, again, let's say it might be a minor muscle tear, you've a tear of a muscle is actually you've literally torn muscle cells. So muscle cells, uh, all cells, have like cell walls. That's called the sarcolemma. There's a cell wall. And inside the cell wall is the the guts of the cell, you know, the working machinery that form the cell. In this case, it's uh, actin myosin proteins and a bunch of other stuff. There's calcium in there. There's you know, DNA. There's all stuff, cell stuff inside the cell. Now, when you tear a cell, the cell is the smallest unit of life, okay, so a cell is the smallest thing that is part of you that can be said to be living. The things that make up cells, you know, cells are made of molecules, and molecules are not living. But when you assemble particular molecules in a particular arrangement, they form a cell, and that cell is alive. And so when we suffer a muscle tear, you know, some number of muscle cells are torn, you know, are broken. They, they rip and the innards come out, the molecules on the inside come out. And so those muscle cells die. So now you've got dead, broken muscle cells inside your body. And of course, a dead, broken muscle cell is just a bunch of molecules now dissociated from the cell and floating around your body. So that's not living tissue anymore. That is dead stuff. It's, it's not you anymore. It's waste it's going to become poisonous. It's going to start to uh, degrade and it is going to become septic. So the first thing you need to do when you have some kind of injury like that is you need to clean up the mess. So what you do, uh, you're very clever here the way you do this, is uh, living in uh, the connective tissue around you know, pretty much every part of your body But just say, imagine you tear a calf muscle, okay? In the connective tissue that surrounds your calf muscle, you've got cells that live in there called mast cells. And those mast cells are what's called granulocytes. They have uh, grains inside them, granules inside them. When you look at them under a microscope, they've got stained grains in them. And when you tear a muscle, when you tear that connective tissue that's part of the muscle, these mast cells are torn as well, and they degranulate. You know, the stuff on the inside of the mast cell comes out and spews out into the environment of your body. And the stuff that's on the inside of a mast cell is called histamine. Now, you've probably heard of histamine, or you've probably heard of antihistamine. Antihistamine uh, is the medication you take to prevent um, an immune response, right? (laughs) To prevent an allergy, which is an exaggerated immune response. So mast cells and histamine in particular, triggers the immune response, triggers inflammation. And inflammation is an immune response. It's the first part of your healing process. So the mast cells degranulate because they get ripped when there's an injury. Histamine floods out and histamine triggers inflammation. Now, what is inflammation? Well, in, in what the mast cells trigger is the capillaries, so those are the smallest blood vessels, the blood vessels that uh, where the gas exchange takes place, you know, the oxygen comes out of the blood and the carbon dioxide goes back into the blood. Histamine triggers those capillaries to dilate, to get bigger. Okay, And the slit pores on the sides of the capillaries, which are little flaps of the wall of the capillary that kind of open up and they let stuff out out of the capillary now the, these flaps the the slit pores they don't open up they're not big enough to let blood cells out so you don't actually bleed out of the capillaries but there's lots of stuff in your circulatory system besides blood cells and the things that are big enough to or are small enough sorry to f- float out through these slit pores are a lot of proteins and immune cells white blood cells macrophages they're called. And so when you are when you have an injury, you tear your calf muscle, mast cells tear, the histamine comes out, tr- triggers the capillaries to dilate and the slit pores to open, allowing fluid and proteins and immune cells to flood the area. And that's why an inflamed area swells because more fluid comes in because the capillaries dilate and these slit pores open and stuff leaks out. Fluid leaks out proteins and immune cells. Now, the macrophages, those are the white blood cells, the immune cells, they go to work and they are called phagocytes, which means they basically eat. <laughs> um, phage means to eat. Phage means to eat. And site means cell. So they're, they're eating cells. <laughs> and they literally envelop foreign matter like bits of broken muscle cells for example and they digest it they've got acid enzymes on the inside of their cell parts and they literally chomp 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 um, eat up those uh, bits of debris that's floating around they'll equally they'll attack viruses or bacteria or any other foreign particle that is not part of you and so your inflammation phase is the first stage of healing and you are cleaning up the mess you're killing the infection you're getting rid of the debris and inflammation lasts for a variable amount of time again depending on the size of the injury you know which tissue is injured where in the body it is and and the health and age of the person okay but generally somewhere around 2 to 2 to 8 weeks okay is a is a, a usual amount usual period for inflammation inflammation to last. Now, during inflammation, the tissue isn't actually being repaired yet. Right? So we're not, we haven't, we're not repairing the damage. We're simply cleaning up the mess. So during inflammation, we really need to protect that injured body part from potentially harmful stress. So the potentially harmful stress being whatever caused the injury in the first place right? So if it was like overstretched, well, let's protect it from being overstretched. If it was twisted in a certain direction, let's avoid twisting in that particular way. If it was loaded beyond its capacity, let's avoid loading it beyond its capacity. So essentially during inflammation, the tissue is more vulnerable and part of the inflammatory process is increased pain sensitivity, right? And you know this if you've ever had sunburn. And we have increased pain sensitivity when we're inflamed because we it it reminds us or it motivates us to protect that vulnerable tissue, and that's a good thing. The next phase in tissue healing is called proliferation. So after the macrophages have cleaned up all the mess, okay, all the dead cell parts are gone, any bi- viruses or bacterium have been cleared out, then. The inflammatory response, you know, starts to subside and simultaneously, the next phase of healing begins, which is called proliferation. And that is where collagen fibers, which are the main structural proteins of tissue, are laid down to form a resulting scar, right? So if you if you tear a muscle or uh, ligament or a tendon, you're going to repair it by scarring if you break a bone you're going to repair it by regeneration but for most soft tissue injuries you're, going to re- injuries you're going to repair it by forming a scar made of collagen predominantly of collagen now collagen is it's like fibers like carpet fibers basically and you lay those fibers down in the wound to knit together the edges of the you know the damaged tissues and that proliferation phase, the collagen is laid down very, in what's called a disorganized fashion. So they we just kind of whack the collagen down. It's facing this way, that way, the other way. Like imagine opening up a pack of spaghetti, taking all the spaghetti out of the packet, and then just throwing it down on the table, right? It would just f- go every which way. Okay. that's kind of what happens during proliferation. We whack down this collagen in the wound to draw to start to create a scar, but it's not very disorgan. It's not very organised. It's very disorganised. Now, during this proliferation phase, which goes anywhere from let's say it starts like four weeks after. Now, again, this is a range, right? Starts somewhere between four and twelve weeks after injury. Now, it might start sooner than that for a very small injury, but, you know, let's say about the one month to the three month mark is your proliferation phase for something like a a moderate muscle muscle strain, okay, or a, a, uh, you know, ligament injury in your knee, for example. And in proliferation, you're laying down collagen and the tissue is still more vulnerable than it used to be before it was injured, but it's begun to heal. It is starting to increase in strength. And applying load to that tissue will stimulate collagen deposition. So you get more collagen when you load it. When you apply load to that tissue, the collagen uh, deposition increases, collagen production increases. So, but we need to be careful not to apply too much load because the tissue is still vulnerable. It's, it's not yet fully healed, it's partially healed. So, we need to apply some load, but not too much load. So, in the, in the inflammatory phase, we really want to apply minim, you know, none to minimal load. That's for the first couple of weeks. Okay. Whereas in the proliferation phase, which is like, one month to three months, we do want to apply a gentle and progressively increasing load, right? But we, with the you know emphasis on gentle, but it needs it needs to be progressive as well, because the, as the tissue heals further and there's more collagen, it gains strength, and we need to increase the stimulus if you want to maintain, uh, you know, that stimulus being enough to trigger uh, further collagen deposition stronger tissue needs a stronger stimulus. The final stage of healing is called remodeling. And that can start anywhere from a couple of months after injury and can go for up to a year a year or more than a year, right? Maybe 12 to 15 months. And in the remodeling phase, the collagen is all is fully, uh, we've laid down all the collagen we're going to lay down, in the remodeling phase what we do is we align that collagen, we organize the collagen, so all of the fibres line up parallel, and they line up parallel, and that makes the tissue much stronger when they're aligned parallel. They align parallel along the lines of force that is transmitted through the tissue. So in a tendon or a muscle, if the force is transmitted longitudinally from one end to the other the collagen will align longitudinally along the length of that muscle or tendon, which will strengthen the muscle or tendon when longitudinal forces are applied to it. So in order to... Now, the remodeling phase is, you know, it goes for about a year, a year plus, okay? starts a couple of months after initial injury and goes for a year or more. And in that phase, the tissue, the scar tissue, is said to be plastic, which means that it is malleable, it is changeable. We can influence its final structure. So during that remodeling phase, as we apply progressive load to the tissue, we progressively align those collagen fibres more parallel, in line with the lines of force that we apply to it. So we influence the eventual strength of that tissue by the load that we apply to it during remodeling during that first year after injury the other thing that we need to do to that tissue over this remodeling phase and, and also through the proliferation phase is move the stretch the tissue move it through range because if we don't the resulting scar will be less mobile the collagen won't be organized in such a way that it's able to elongate sufficiently unless we stress it by elongating it during proliferation and remodeling. And so the degree to which we challenge that tissue, by challenge I mean simply apply load through range the degree to which we we progressively challenge that tissue with load and range of motion during the first year or 15 months after healing is going to very dramatically influence the eventual strength and flexibility of the resulting scar. So you've got kind of a window of healing, a window where that tissue is able to be influenced. And what we influence it width is load through range. All right, so let's zoom out from inside the body now and think somebody with a torn calf muscle, okay, what does that look like? Well, that looks like the first couple of weeks, Yeah, first couple of days, stay off it. Okay, first couple of days, stay off it. It's red, hot, inflamed, just stay, stay off it. Within a week, though, you need to start very gently weight-bearing on it. Very gently. You know, like hobbling on crutches, touching your toes on the floor, that type of thing. By the four-week mark, you should be doing gentle, active, pain-free range of motion. You know, like uh, flexing and extending your ankle without load, right? So like sitting on the sofa with your foot up. Flexing, extending your ankle, so gentle, active, pain-free range of motion, stretching to the point of discomfort. Right, so not not you know, significant pain, but discomfort, and trying to normalise movement patterns. So you know, four weeks after you you know do a moderately severe muscle tear, your one of your goals should be to move as normally as possible. And when I say normally, I mean don't protect that limb when you walk. You know, try not to limp. Right? And that comes under the heading of control. When we move into the remodeling phase, which can start anywhere from a couple of months after the initial injury. Again, this depends on the severity of the injury, which tissue we're talking about. For a, for a minor muscle tear, this would be quicker, right? You would start gentle movement like one week. Within one week, you'd be doing progressive load after two weeks probably, Right, but for a moderately severe muscle tear, more like you know three or four weeks, and then we'd begin in the remodeling phase. We'd begin begin progressive load through range. So we'd now be doing like full range. We'd be doing um, you know calf raises, you know full extension and full flexion of the ankle. We'd be increasing load. We'd be adding weight to those calf raises. We'd be increasing road and decreasing reps. We'd be adding in direction change we'd be adding increasing speed, we'd be decreasing stability, okay? And this is all progressive. So progressive means we just do it little bit by little bit, a little bit harder, a little bit harder, a little bit harder. And all of these things are going to continue to stimulate that healing tissue and they're going to restore strength, range of motion and control to the area. Because when you have an injury, not only is the tissue like, mechanically weakened because it's had damage and there's there are muscle fibers that have been destroyed but also you didn't exercise you know to any you didn't load it for the first four weeks very hard so all of the other muscle tissue around it has got weaker it's got stiffer it's become immobilized right you've probably lost coordination in that area to a certain extent okay so we've lost strength we've lost range of motion and we've lost control, not completely, but we've reduced all of those things to some in some combination, right? Now, depending on where the injury is and whatever, maybe some injuries will have a greater impact on one or other of those variables. But every injury is going to result in some degree of reduction in strength, range of motion, and control. So, what do we need to do to? Rehab and injury, well, we need to load, you know, we progressively load through range to stimulate healing and collagen alignment and organization, and we need to restore strength, range of motion, and control to the injured body part. Now, when you've injured your calf muscle, what are you not going to do? Calf raises, right? What are you also not going to do? Running, squats, lunges, footwork, jumping, right? So, which muscles, which other muscles are not going to be stimulated adequately? Well, your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, your abductors, your adductors, like unless you're doing isolated work for your quads, your glutes or whatever, which is a great idea, by the way, when you've got an injured calf, but unless you're doing, you know, if you're just a regular person who's not a fanatical exerciser, right? <laughs> you've sprained, strained a calf muscle and you're kind of hobbling around on it for a couple of weeks. Well, you're not working your butt or your hamstrings or your quads or anything to any li- anything like the degree that you normally would, just in everyday life, climbing upstairs, getting out of a chair, all of that stuff. You're you basically hopping on your other leg using crutches, etc. So you've lost range of motion and strength in all of those other areas. So you basically need to strengthen your whole leg now, right, and return restore range of motion in your whole leg, and restore control in your whole leg so that you're not limping and protecting it. And that doesn't become a habit. I mean, limping and protecting is a good plan for the first couple of weeks during the inflammation stage. But then once we get into proliferation, you know, once it starts to lay down collagen, we want to actually normalize your movement patterns within pain tolerance. Okay, not normalize your movement patterns for like sprinting up a hill, but normalize your movement patterns for walking from the sofa to the fridge. All right, so that process is simply... Progressively challenging strength by adding load. Progressively challenging range of motion by increasing range of motion. And progressively challenging control by increasing the challenge to control, like adding instability, adding movement in multiple planes, adding more coordination challenge to the movement. You know, standing on one leg is a control challenge for someone with a recently torn calf muscle. So all of these things are not complicated. Progressively adding load over time is not complicated. Progressively increasing range of motion over time is not complicated. Progressively increasing challenge to control over time is not complicated. Rehab is not complicated. How do you know if you're progressing at the right speed? Well, we use what's called the 24-hour rule. A little bit of discomfort in during rehab is desirable okay we are literally stretching and loading tissues that are not fully healed yet right so by definition almost that is going to cause some discomfort if we're not causing any discomfort we're probably not stressing those tissues we need to stress the tissues to elicit a adapt an adaptive response, right? We need to stimulate further collagen deposition and collagen organization. So we need to elicit some degree of discomfort, but it should be not excessive during the proliferation. But when we get to the remodeling phase, a couple of months after the injury, we can actually crank it up a bit and the stretches can become quite painful. And the strength training can be somewhat painful as well. And that's when we apply the 24 hour rule once we get to the remodeling phase a couple of months after injury. So during the inflammation phase we really want to protect it and avoid pain is a good plan wherever possible. After you know 3 or 4 weeks we get into the proliferation phase for the next month or so we probably want to move gently to the point of slight discomfort. And once we get into remodeling after a couple of months, we want to progressively increase the challenge to that tissue. And that is going to involve not just discomfort, but probably pain. If you've ever rehabbed after surgery, you know there's definitely pain involved. And so what we do there is we apply what's called the 24-hour rule. And the 24-hour rule comes from tendon research. And it simply says that pain during a session is fine as long as the as long as a person can tolerate it, right? So if it's un- intolerable pain, it's back it off, obviously. But as long as it's tolerable pain, it's acceptable during a session. It doesn't mean you're doing damage. It probably means you're just working that tissue. However, if the if the pain doesn't subside back to baseline levels within 24 hours, right? If it doesn't go back to the level it was at before the session within 24 hours, then you pushed. That means you push too hard. So if pain subsides within 24 hours, keep doing it, you're you're working at the right level. If pain doesn't subside within 24 hours, you need to reduce the load, reduce the range, reduce the, the number of reps a little bit. And if you're getting no pain, you're probably not pushing hard enough. So that, my friends, is rehab. It's nothing but graded exercise to restore strength, range of motion, and control. And it really just says that for the first couple of weeks during the inflammatory phase, really just protect that body part. You know, try and avoid pain, avoid things that load it. Uh, gentle movement, unloaded, you know, as long as it's pain-free is good. Uh, but just keep it within pain-free. Once you get out to the three, four-week mark, you can start to gently mobilize that through full range under its own power. You can stretch to the point of discomfort. You can start to walk normally or use your shoulder normally or whatever it might be, you know, pass the salt, etc. And once you get to the kind of two-month mark, you're into the remodeling phase, that's when you it's basically just strength training and stretching and control, or in other words, Pilates, right? So you just (laughs) increase range of motion, increase load, increase challenge to control progressively over time within pain tolerance. So not pain-free, but pain tolerance, and use the 24-hour rule. If symptoms don't subside within 24 hours, back it off. If they do subside within 24 hours, crack on. Alright, I hope you found that helpful. And uh, with this you can with this I hope this gives you the confidence to work with clients who have um, aches and pains and muscle tears and ligament sprains and tendinitises and tendinosis and tendinopathies and disc bulges because believe me, dear listener, this principle applies to all of those. It applies to all of them. Alright, much love. And I'll see you on the next one. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things one, deeply understand how the body works.